today's episode, we cover community and storytelling, magic of social media, how tech made the year 2020 less scary, remote presentation tips and tricks, and why the hashtag get cap matters. Here is a quick taste of the episode and then let's get going. And I'm not sure if people notice, but actually every presentation I do, it's different. So I really try to, uh, to showcase my personality a bit more. This is Cloud Gossip, podcast demystifying the cloud and the people behind it. Hello, I'm Annie, a cloud native technology marketing manager, and I've worked for tech companies ranging from startups to Fortune 500 enterprises. Hello, my name is Carlos, and I'm a cloud security leader working at a large Swiss financial sector company. In this season of Cloud Gossip, we are diving deeper to the cloud and tech world, and we will be interviewing top industry professionals. Today, we have so many interesting topics. First, we will be diving deep into tech communities, storytelling, conferences, and of course, as always, the cloud. Annie, go ahead and intro our amazing guest. I will, Carl. Thank you. Isidora is a Microsoft Cloud and, and Data Center Carlos. MVP, I'm a, a conference organizer, and known for her energy and passion towards the tech community. Welcome, Isidora. Could you please introduce yourself on your own words? Who are you and what are you doing? Hi, Annie. Hi, Carl. Thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast today. I'm very uh, excited to be here and to talk to you. So you briefly already mentioned, my name is Isidora Katanich. I live in a small village uh, near Basel in Switzerland. However, I'm originally born in former Yugoslavia, uh, grew up in the Netherlands, and it was actually love from community that brought me to uh, beautiful Switzerland. So yeah, as you mentioned, community, of course, I have lots of, uh, lots of passion around it. And uh, as you said, conference organizing, that's also something that keeps me busy or at least kept me busy because now currently uh, with the pandemic, of course, our international conferences uh, are put on hold. So I cannot wait uh, yeah, to also talk more about that uh, later on the podcast. Excellent. Thanks. And you run a video show and the tagline of your show is quite a long one. So let me try to take a breather first. Head in the cloud, hard in the community. That's quite, quite meaningful. What does community mean to you personally? Yeah, so uh, the headline indeed, head in the cloud, heart in the community, I also had to practice many times to actually say it in one go, right? Basically what the video series does, we shine a light on all the amazing things our community members are doing. And I think that is exactly what community means to me, right? It's the people. And many of those people in our community, they've become very close friends. They've become family. They've become supporters. So yeah, what, what community means to me is the amount of opportunities that there are available. So it really means a lot to me. Amazing. So I think it's clear that you have an amazing track record of building successful communities and particularly tech communities and, and building in those spaces. So how do you do that? How do you build a successful tech community? 
So I think the word says it all, right? So when you think about it, community, it stands for a common unity. So I think the importance is to find people who actually have something in common. And in this case, the interest in tech and to narrow it even more down to conferences I'm involved in on Microsoft technologies. So I think the power and the success is to get those people to work together to form a unity together. And there is so much that they can learn from each other, right? The beauty about a community is that you will always have diverse perspectives. You will have different levels of knowledge, right? So people who just get into tech or people who are many years into the industry. And I think as a community organizer, it's very important to leverage that. So whether you create a forum or an offline event or an online conference where those people can uh, connect, I think that's, that's definitely the key to success. Yeah, so it's all about fostering those social connections between diverse group of people. Exactly, yes. Great. So it kind of connects to my next question about kind of meeting these social connections in tech as well. So you are really kind of working at the intersection between uh, people and tech with these social connections and, and tech communities. So how do you unite these things? How do you build storytelling around complex tech topics? Yeah, so I think um, there it's important that you uh, define your audience and that you really understand your audience. So who are you telling the story uh, to? And make sure that the story you want to tell is understandable, that it's relatable, and uh, make it interesting to your audience. So don't just present a complex tech topic, but present your personal experience around it. This really sticks to people's mind a lot better. Um, so, for example, actually something I had to think of a couple of years ago, there was a new uh, tech feature out in a beautiful technology called uh, SCOM, so Microsoft uh, System Center Operations Manager. And it was actually one of our dear friends, uh, Microsoft MVP Kevin Green, who was doing a demo during an offline conference. And... Like at the midst of a session, su suddenly he realized, I'm not sure which feature it was. I believe it was scheduled maintenance mode, which became available. But the way he reacted that suddenly that was there during his demo live on stage and the whole story he built around it. I mean, that's something that all these years later still is stuck in my head, right? So it's not just, oh, here's a new technology. This is it. This is the fact. This is what it can do. No, build your story around it and your experience, and then people will perceive your story much better. Yes, that is very much true. I think it's always about building the connection uh, because even, even though the people might be developers or they're technological people, they are still people <laughs> as, exactly. as everyone is. So it's all about connecting those, those two dots. Yes. And I think this connects to the, the previous topic as well. So I think you're known for having a lot of uh, magical conversations in Twitter as well and, yeah. and creating and fostering that community. So how do you do that actually? Like, like how, what goes into successfully fostering a long-term discussion at a platform like Twitter? Yeah, so there I think it really starts with um, my passion for social media, right? I absolutely love social media. I loved it since... Ever I got introduced to social media. So if you look back, what is it? CU2, MySpace, I don't know, uh, Amazon, uh, whatever we were using. I mean, I was always um, always interested into that. And Twitter, actually, I'm I'm 
pretty new to Twitter, to be honest. Uh, I think it's now maybe my third year um, on Twitter, but the key is definitely to stay active and to interact with your uh, followers, the people you follow. Like, make sure you don't make it a one-way street, right? It's not just about pushing out content or just sharing uh, from your side, like interact with the audience. So make sure that you share content from others, that you comment. Yeah, and above all, I think what's also very important is to be kind and to be respectful. That's something that, yeah, I think um, we all should be on Twitter, right? There are, uh, there are many haters. So we want to keep them away. <laughs> Um, yeah, and actually a fun fact, uh, speaking of social media and Twitter, so to relate back to one of the first questions of head in the cloud, heart in the community. So Holly and I actually have never met in person. So we became friends on Twitter. It just started with interacting with each other, just like as fellow women in tech. And it actually led into this beautiful friendship where we almost talk every single day and we host this community um, show together. So yeah, I truly believe in the power of, uh, of Twitter in that way. That's really amazing. And I think a great example of what you can do with, with that kind of platform. And you can create so many things that even bubble outside of the platform as well. Exactly. But I think yeah. there's this really great campaign that I've seen, at least, that you kind of, I think, instigated. Um, it was the Get Get Easier Cat. <laughs> yeah, so I will not take credits for that one. It was actually uh, Oren Thomas, Microsoft uh, cloud advocate based in Australia, who happened to find out that I really wanted to have cats. And then he just kept teasing uh, my fiance, Thomas, to get me a cat. And then when he realized, all right, he's not really buying it, uh, let's pull in the Twitter world and let's make it a trending hashtag at Microsoft Ignite, which uh, it worked to make it trending, but we still don't have cats. <laughs> that is that is unfortunately here, but I think that's an amazing example because, um, well, Microsoft Ignite is one of the largest um, technological conferences in the world and to get get easier cat trending there is, is <laughs> achievement. Yeah. And I think that's a great example of uh, kind of bursting out of that Twitter world, out of that social media into somewhere else, as you said, it, the power or, or the magicalness of, of it all actually can break into a live stream of uh, what a 30,000 people conference. <laughs> well, I believe even more. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, indeed, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of power uh, behind it. Yeah. Awesome. So speaking of events, uh, you host or hosted a lot of events all around the world and, uh, one of the things that uh, I'm thinking as an must be hard as an event organizer is how do you get speakers actually interested in your event after the first time? How do you get those returning speakers actually coming to your event year after year and inviting their friends? Yeah, so there I would say is ensure you just deliver a great event. Right. Keep your speakers engaged from the very beginning. So from the day on that you actually launch, for example, the website of your conference and your call for speakers up until the moment that they again leave your conference and go home. Right. It's a long journey and it's not just, oh, I'm looking for a speaker who can deliver this topic. OK, come for the session and done. That's not how it works. You need to ensure that you really focus on your speaker care. Think in the mind of the speaker, like what is important to them? So is it, for example, make sure that at your conference that you have a speaker room available where they can like pull back and maybe a speaker is more of an introvert and doesn't enjoy to be out 
and about all the time, right? Just to go back to the speaker room, focus uh, on his or her session uh, to prepare. Think about social media packages you want to offer like prior to your conference so that your speakers can also share that they're part of the conference. So I would really say involve them from the very beginning and yeah, make it a memorable experience. So uh, I think what's very important and you know as well as conference organizers and you succeed at that is make your conference fun right? Your speakers, as well as the attendees and sponsors and so on, they all come for the networking. Uh, I mean, the content is key. It's, of course, very important, but it is as important to have a fun element. So whether if it's a speaker uh, appreciation dinner that you're organized, or if it's like a networking uh, event, I think that's as important to keep your speakers interested and engaged year after year. That's super interesting. I think it's kind of really nice to see the connections between the different topics in the sense that both for speaker engagement as well as um, social media engagement, it's, it's, I think the key is what I'm hearing is, is consistency. So keeping up the good things. And, and the other part is, is the kind of humanity and meeting people as people, as you said, like tailor making the experiences as much as possible for a speaker to meet their needs as well as Obviously, having that kind of meet a person as a person approach in, in social media world as well, and, and consistency is the other one. So does that sound correct in your in your opinion? That sounds uh, perfectly summarized, Annie. <laughs> Great. Maybe I'd like to actually uh, touch upon that. You're not only only an event organizer yourself, but you also have many hats, uh, as many of us in the community do. So, if you if you turn it around as a speaker. What gets you interested in, in an event? Yeah, so I'll be completely honest here. I've delivered more online sessions in the past month than I did offline in the years uh, before, right? So uh, I'll mainly focus on currently my experience uh, with the online sessions I've delivered. So yeah, so basically I look at the topics of the event. I look uh, if it's already available, look at the other speakers. I focus on little details uh, and the bigger picture. Like for me, it's very important. For example, the lineup, like how diverse is it? So what recently uh, happened a few weeks back is that actually a conference organizer reached out if I wanted to deliver a session. And of course, I immediately go do my... Uh, homework i go check out the event uh, the speakers and i realized okay there are 20 speakers and all 20 speakers are male so i honestly told them uh all right so i i looked at your lineup i would be the only female uh, speaker and i'm sure there are tons of other female speakers who also deserve the opportunity to speak here so actually yeah just introduce them send the list okay here are some of the amazing um female speakers that i know in the community they can cover this and this topic which is in line with your conference uh if you can get a bunch of us in then count me in then I'm happy to participate. And it was wonderful to see how open the organization was. And they did. So they actually pulled uh, pulled us in. So yeah, that's also something I really uh, care for. As many know, of course, with the Azure Heroes uh, inclusive leadership, I also believe, yeah, it's also very important that, that we stand up for that, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's really, really something that I'd like to maybe double double down on having some sort of history uh, in the event, having the previous years actually available to have a look at what was the lineup then, how have they maybe evolved? Uh, do they have a code of conduct? Do they do they have some sort of outreach, maybe sponsorship tickets for 
people who want to switch careers or students or that kind of outreach, what are they actively doing? Not just saying that, hey, we don't know any anyone and, and nobody reached out to us. And exactly. I, I really love yeah. the idea of, of this list. And if you, if you, don't, if you don't mind, uh, we would really like to showcase that in our show notes as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I'll, I'll share. There's actually a website which contains a lot of, uh, it's fully focused on women in tech uh, industry. So I'll definitely share that. And the more we can get the word out that there are plenty of females who are available to uh, present, that will be, of course, amazing if we can advocate for that and use this platform uh, to have that voice. Amazing. We're already creating positive change here. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I think... I think this year particularly has been, I think for many of us, very, very turmoil uh, filled. But I think one of the one of the spaces where a lot of turmoil has been happening is conferences. So what have you personally seen the, the changes in conferences this year? Well, the changes, I think it's very simple. They've just disappeared, right? <laughs> Poof, <laughs> they're gone. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, of course, I've also, uh, as, as an organize uh, as a conference organizer but as well as attendee and speaker like you said right wearing multiple hats of course i've seen seen the shift from offline to online or hybrid and i do have to say for me personally it's not the same right i'm really a people person i i love to be out there i love to connect with people uh, in person just having like an online session it's 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 so different because you're like talking to a piece of hardware that is like at your home in front of you and it's like so different than actually having like that one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody in the hallway look them into the eyes look into their soul like really have that human uh, connection but yeah nevertheless i also have to say because many of the conference organizers uh, i personally know like yourself right or uh, many others that I deeply appreciate the amount of effort they're putting into uh, pivoting to this online or hybrid world. So I've seen many creative ways of community organizers who are hosting their events online and trying to keep it interactive and to connect to people. So yeah, I definitely want to highlight also that I deeply appreciate that. I think that that's really, really great. And um. Do you have any examples of, of some really great kind of um, events that have done this very well? Or is it just like a general? Um... Yeah. So a couple of things I've seen is like, for example, it's an online event, but like for the first, I believe, 100 people who registered, they would receive like a gift package uh, at their home. So it would be, a, a, what was it, a conference badge or it had some snacks. I mean, that's already a way to engage the audience, right? And I've seen at another conference where they actually created like a virtual, um, uh, sorry, expo uh, hall where sponsors could meet with attendees. So yeah, there, there's a lot of creative uh, ways that organizers are uh, bringing in. Yeah, I totally agree. And I have to say that that's a really good way to look at it. It's just not look at it as maybe as a fault of the of the conference, more of a, of a positive thing, like, oh, you can do cool virtual things you can try out new things and for example one event where i was involved we looked at it as a tv show so we hired a tv producer to screenwrite it with us and really created it thinking about a new show and then that kind of brings new i think um, dimensions to the event and training landscape which then kind of makes it you know not worse uh, option or uh, version of, um, of a event it tries to make it better version which i think is kind of should be at least a goal even though it might be hard to reach yeah, indeed. Excellent.
Well, talking about online events, and as you said, uh, you have been doing this a lot these past months and, and weeks. So what are your own top tips for doing these uh, online presentations? And this can be really anything from your favorite gear on the go, preparing the presentation environment. You have a lovely background in this virtual studio of, of ours, um, <laughs> or, or really, really getting the audience really engaged. Yeah, so uh, it's it's funny you mentioned the background, which of course uh, we cannot show in the podcast. But if you follow me on Twitter at Isidora Katanich, you will see a bunch of uh, photos from my home office. Yeah, so that's, for example, the background. That's something which is very important to me because it shows my personality. And I'm not sure if people notice, but actually every presentation I do, it's different. So I rearrange or I put something else or, for example, now you will see like a more Christmassy background, which will be different again in January. So I really try to, um, yeah, also keep that up to date and change it and to showcase my personality a bit more. Then secondly, something that I, I think we all have noticed is that everyone has stepped up their game when it comes to online presentations and equipment. So. When I look at some of the online sessions I delivered a year ago, like I did not have a beautiful microphone in front of me or studio lights or an external camera. I was doing it off my laptop. Yeah, so that's something which, yeah, I would definitely give as a tip if you're a frequent speaker and if you can afford it, get the right equipment. It will also make you uh, feel more confident when you know your lighting is good or your sound is good. But then, of course, I also fully understand that there are also people who cannot afford it or maybe just don't want to invest uh, into that. So there are yeah, definitely different ways to do that. So, for example, lightning. Make sure that you sit behind a window so you would get daylight on you right? if, if you don't have studio lights. Or if, if you don't have a fancy external microphone, make sure you sit as close as possible to the microphone of your laptop. Yeah, so I think that's that's one of my tips I would give on the equipment. And lastly, I would say have fun. I mean, it's so much more pleasant for the audience to watch or to listen to somebody who's actually really having fun in what they're doing. So I think that goes back to the same story, like whenever there's a new tech feature, don't just blur it out, okay, new feature is this and this, but make it fun. Yeah. Love it. And, and really to add, at least towards my own personal frustration, uh, the waiting times of the best rated gears and gadgets for online presentation have all also been pretty <laughs> abysmal this year. So it's not even the, about the affordability or taking that personal step that I want to invest myself instead of my employer or something like that. It can really be about having to do this do-it-yourself approach for lights and everything just because you just don't get your hands on, on those <laughs> devices. Yeah. Cool. Now it's time for our first recurring segment. And we really, really did, did get you dancing, which is what Mike, Mike asked uh, actually in his <laughs> session. Um, all right. So our modus operandi is to talk with the best people in the business. And we really want to hear, hear your thoughts on the future of tech. It sounds really big and scary. Yes. But we and our audience really want to learn. So let's dig in and let's get your thoughts and discuss how does this sound? 
So what are the top three things in tech that most make you excited at this very moment? Things that you are really passionate about. Yeah, so at this moment, uh, well, let's just start off that technology during COVID has become more and more important and is being used by more and more people. So talking from my grandparents uh, installing Skype or Teams to my little nephews using Microsoft Teams uh, for school. Also, I think technology has become less scary, let's say that way, right? Like before, maybe grandparents were like, oh, no, technology, that's like modern, that's difficult, we won't be able to understand. And now they actually have to, right? Because we're pivoting now into this virtual world. So yeah, I think it has become less scary and more accessible. Yeah, I mean, I also noticed with with my friends, like uh, my non-tech friends, let's say that way, who are not in the tech industry, but they're reaching out like, hey, don't you do something with Microsoft, right, in your work? And they like reach out. Yeah, so I just uh, bought OneDrive. Like, how do I use it? Or like my parents-in-law who are like learning modern technology and asking for help. So yeah, that's one thing that really excites me, how more and more people, um, let's say non-tech people got into tech. So that's one thing. Secondly, uh, when I give it a thought, it's definitely the speed of technology, right? So everything is becoming faster and faster and faster and more powerful. I mean, just something very simple, but what, which does excite me. I mean, I remember back when I was little uh, as a kid and then the sound of connecting to the dial-up internet. I mean, that's just a sound with which will forever stay stuck in my head, right? But if I would tell now my sister, she has like two children, and if I tell them, they're like, what are you talking about, right? But yeah, so when I look today, actually our internet is uh, 600 Mbit up and down, and soon we're going to switch to uh, 10 gigabyte up and down, right? So that's also something that uh, that gets me very excited. And... Let me see. The third, yeah, would definitely be uh, the Philips Hue lights I have at home. So basically, we have set up in the entire apartment uh, the Philips lights. So every room, every light bulb, every ceiling lamp, every standing lamp, literally every lamp in the apartment is Philips Hue. So can modify them on color, on strength, turn them on, off, app controlled. Yeah, that's something which actually every day uh, gets me excited and um yeah, play around with the with the colors. Amazing. There's always this small chuckle that I do when I play around with those uh, connected <laughs> lights myself. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> very much so. To to bounce off that more of a serious question, let's go for a lightheaded one. So, if you could make like a wish list um, tick, so um, if you could get anything to become a reality from sci-fi or uh, sci-fi series or anything from proper quantum computing to time travel or anything as wild as you can think, what would you make to be reality? So what I would make right now is a private high-tech COVID risk-free jet um, that would fly me to Osaka in Japan. To be precise, on February 4th in 2021, because that's when the opening is of the Super Nintendo World. And it's definitely a big dream of mine. I'm a big Nintendo fan. I love Super Mario. Um, I have played all the games since ever I can remember up until today, right? So yeah, that's definitely, uh, if I could get to uh, get to Japan, that would be awesome. And then have magical private access with a few of my friends. 
We'll definitely tag out, tag along. Super Mario World is, is <laughs> You're more amazing. than welcome. Let's go. <laughs> Sounds amazing. And Osaka is, is absolutely amazing as well. So that's a really great plan. <laughs> yeah. Have you, uh, have you been there? Yes. Um, I, we have been there. Once? Yes. That, that's right. We took a trip last year when we still had means to travel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we did that. All right. So now let's uh, switch gears. All right, it's time for our next recurring section, diversity and inclusion. And we want to spread positivity and, and through our own actions, increase the positive impact of the tech world, as we did already in this show. And uh, this is why we have a recurring segment for this diversity and inclusion in this podcast, where we talk with each of our guests around the same topics. And this is just one of the concrete ways that we as podcast hosts want to take action. And I hope everyone can find some, some ways like that. But uh, how about you personally? Have you encountered really good projects or initiatives lately in the field? And what are your own favorites? And you can't say the one that you already said. <laughs> Actually, it's going to be a, it's going to be a new one. Um, so one of my current favorites to really be very, very current is actually coming uh, from Microsoft. So I'm not sure if you're aware, but like every year they have like this exclusive selection of ugly Christmas sweaters. And they normally just ship them to a limited amount of people. So just like to really famous people, influencers, or they're like absolute super fans. And this year is actually the first year that Microsoft makes them available for sale. So they sell them. And then what I love about it is, of course, it's something that I'm sure many, many people want. And then uh, for every sweater, or let's rephrase, every ugly Christmas sweater <laughs> that is sold, a, a donation is made to girls uh, who code. So I absolutely love that initiative because it's both so close to my heart and Christmas sweaters and girls who code and let's also say Microsoft. So if you want to know if I ordered one, actually my fiance ordered two, <laughs> one for himself and one for me because he knew of course that I would love uh, love to have one. And then for uh, the listeners on the podcast who of course cannot see that I'm wearing a Christmas sweater uh, at the moment. So it's something that I really uh, love and I cannot wait to get my uh my ugly Christmas sweater from Microsoft. That is amazing. Um, I actually ordered two as well. So we have <laughs> two on the way as well. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. So we should, uh, we should take photos once we have them and share them on Twitter. <laughs> and I hope good. every one of our listeners who managed to order in in that, uh, that brief time when they had those available before Christmas actually get to do that same. They are actually back in stock. Um, well, there's going to be more stock in January. So... Oh, everyone can get their own and proceeds will go to charity. So really nice. Cool. cool. Not to have a small ad here <laughs> in the middle. But. <laughs> no, but I, it is true. I mean, I also saw, of course, it was sold out so fast. I think, of course, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, that the, that the donations go to Girls Who Code, plus that the sweater is just absolutely amazing. It went so fast. And I just have to say, I'm sure many people got very disappointed when it sold out so fast, because then you're just back at where it was before. They only go to like a limited amount of people, right? 
So I love how Microsoft extended now and just makes it available for everybody and will start creating a new batch as of January. It's, it's really nice and very good. So moving on from um, holiday sweaters, um, even though they're amazing, <laughs> but still. <laughs> so what kind of tips would you have for our listeners how to lift others up and how to empower other people? Yeah, so I would definitely say be supportive, be helpful. And I think now, especially now, it's more important than ever to check in on each other, right? So whether if it's just like, hey, how are you? How are you doing today? Or how has your week been? Yeah, just to check in on the people in the community. And that's for sure, at least for me personally, it works. Like I have sometimes somebody in the community I haven't spoken to in a while and they just randomly reach out again, like, hey, how are you? I saw you here and here. That was really good. Or yeah, so I think, yeah, definitely be supportive and helpful and uh, keep in touch. Beautiful. Amazing. And that was the cue for our last recurring segment, Community Corner. And this is really the time for some humble bragging. Uh, as a community leader and event organizer, what is next up on your plate? So next up on my plate is the Head in the Cloud, Heart in the Community uh, December episode. Uh, I'm personally very excited about this one, so I will not reveal too much uh, because it's still to come, but I can say it's different than any of the other episodes we've done so far. So yeah, make sure you follow uh, Holly Lehman or myself on Twitter or that you go to our YouTube uh, channel, Head in the Cloud, Heart in the Community, and subscribe to find out. So that's one thing uh, I've coming up with my plate. Are you saying that there's no dancing whatsoever in that episode? Um, let, me, let me think. Yeah, I think there's no dancing this time. <laughs> really delivering on those promises. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no one really does this alone from the community point of view as well. And it really takes a village to raise a child as, as big of a community. So would you like to give a shout out to some of the communities close to your heart? Yes, absolutely. So close to my heart currently is the festive tech calendar. So it is a community event started by uh, two amazing Microsoft MVPs, super duper Richard Hooper and uh, Gregor Suti. And um, yeah, so basically what they did last year, they created the Azure advent calendar where I had the amazing opportunity to do the, uh, the opening poem. And then this year, they actually uh, made it a lot more diverse and inclusive by making it uh, the festive tech calendar. So it's not only focused on Azure, it's on all kinds of technologies. There are speakers from all over the world who contributed uh, videos or blogs. So I definitely want to shout out to those people who uh, put so much effort uh, into that. So yeah, if you haven't heard about the Festive uh, Tech Calendar, make sure you check it out, www.festivetechcalendar.com. And every day at 10 a.m. UK time, there's a reveal with a new uh, door that opens of the advent calendar releasing new content. So it can be a blog, can be a video, can be a hackathon, can be a live Ask Me Anything. So there's a lot of exciting uh, 
content coming up in December. So definitely check it out. That is absolutely superb. We have um, so many great links to share with our community and, and our listeners right now. So they can check everything out from the, from the talk show to the, to the calendar and, and to the amazing list of female speakers as well, obviously. So that's really great. And thank you so much. This has been amazing. And we have talked about so many topics today. We have learned about everything from creating communal unity, building your story around your experiences, magic of social media, human-to-human interactions, and about how year 2020 has been um, scary, but tech has made it a bit less scary as well. And um, conferences as as a tool for networking and uh, remote presentation tips and tricks. And of course, why everyone should be following the hashtag GetEasyACat. (laughs) Easy. Thanks for being here. It was really a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much uh, to you both for having me on the show. And thank you to everybody uh, uh, who joined the podcast and listened to this episode. Hey, thanks for listening to Cloud Gossip. You can find us from our website, cloudgossip.net. Please leave us a review and subscribe to us at iTunes, Google or Spotify. Spotify.